mean, you want to be closing them down really intentionally on a call using your Calendly link or saying, you know, are you available on Tuesday morning or Wednesday afternoon or whatever to really drive them forward to exactly what you want because you are in control. You're listening to the Bookkeepers podcast sponsored by Go Proposal by Sage. I've been a student of value pricing for many years now. Understanding pricing has helped me to transform our firm's results and build a firm that can run without me. A key tool we use for pricing in our firm is Go Proposal. It allows us to build the price in person with the prospect and send out a proposal and engagement letter immediately, which has saved us hours from how we used to do it before. Not only that, but being able to create a standardized pricing system within the software means everyone on my team can use it freeing me up from being the bottleneck. If you're not using it already, I highly recommend you check it out. Just head to goproposal.com forward slash sign up for your free trial. Now over to the latest episode of the Bookkeepers podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to Bookkeepers Bootcamp. We are on day three, can you believe it? Um, Back to um this morning we had a session with colin hewitt from float learn all about cash flow forecasting and how you can support your clients with that it was really good i mean i know we geeked out we really geeked out on the cash flow but it was really interesting and we all got very excited and now we have the lovely charlie day with us hi charlie hello i'm so excited to be here oh we're excited to see you you look like a ray of sunshine today how are you looking so good when it's so cold outside Um, To be fair, this morning, it's warmed up in here, but this morning I did have a hot water bottle in my office. That's how hot. Yeah, it was chilly. It was chilly. If you're joining us, please come and say hi in the comments. Make sure you've enabled uh, StreamYard and then let us know if you're here live with the hashtag live or if you're watching on replay, hashtag replay. It's nice to see you all. Hi, Louise, Bobby and Lisa and Laura and Emma. Nice to see you all and for Charlie. Really good to see you. So today we are here to talk to Charlie Day. I, I really struggle to call you Charlie Day. I just always want to call you Charlie Day Sales because that's what you're known for. Um, <laughs> and um, and it's like, and I can't even just say Charlie. It's just the Charlie Day Sales. Um, so we are here with Charlie because she is a guru, a queen, an expert in selling. And we know that us as bookkeepers and people in the finance profession, we are genuinely introverted. We genuinely have massive imposter syndrome and think, because there's so much to know in our industry, we always think we don't know the answers. And that's absolutely fine. But it cripples us from make like stepping forward and sharing what we do know with people. So, Charlie, would you please introduce yourself? I'm sure you've been on the podcast before, haven't you? No, this is no. my first time. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I just, I think we've maybe tried to book you in before, but yes. Okay. Charlie, introduce yourself to our wonderful audience. Hello, everybody. Yes. Yeah, so I am Charlie Day from Charlie Day Sales. Um, I'm absolutely passionate about helping small business owners create more sales in their business. And I audaciously claim that sales is easy if you just know how. And I am here to show you how. And you're all bookkeepers and amazing things. So you know super clever stuff that I don't have a clue about. So you'll definitely be able to do sales because it is easy. It's just a case of doing it. And I'm sure a lot of you know what you should be doing. It's just a case of doing it. And I think, um, like in all industries, I think what Joe was saying is true. But I love that um, that quote that is like, it just came to me when you were speaking, that basically says, like, if you don't do it, someone who's less qualified than you will. And I think it's so true. And I, I work a lot with female entrepreneurs. And I believe in the, my very core of my being that female entrepreneurs should be the best salespeople out there because they have all the right c- credentials. They're great listeners. They're great understanding and co- covering problems. Those are the three main things you need to be a great salesperson. But the thing that lets us back is that we don't let all of that stuff come through because mm. we're standing in the way of our own success. And so I'm here to shift that up and say, actually, if you don't tell people what you have got on offer, if you don't go out there and shout about it this afternoon, tomorrow, this week, this month, then you're actually doing people a disservice because I'm sure that there's someone 
crying down the road because they don't know what they're doing with their accounts and they've got a super successful business and if only they could get some help with their cash flow or their accounts or whatever it is if only they had that support they know that their business would be able to soar and you are the person who can solve that problem for them so if you don't shout about it you're doing them a disservice and that mindset shift really helps a lot of my clients to go oh yeah I'm not selling I'm just letting people know how I can help them Absolutely. Oh, Charlie, I love that. And what what I picked up on there is something that's really interesting about sales and selling is I think we think of it as kind of a very masculine thing. I think as maybe as we've been grown up, we've been sold to by men on the TV. I mean, those double glazing salesmen on the TV ugh, and, the, you know, the car salesman. And it also and it feels like a very masculine energy. But what you just said there about the three really important things, they're all really feminine energy kind of traits. I, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, absolutely. So I always think like classic, if you just think of whoever is a classic salesperson for, for you, that image for me is Mr. Wormwood on Matilda. Oh, yes. You know, trying to like pedal the dodgy cars. And the thing is, some salespeople come out there with all this bravado and they're like, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. They don't actually listen to their customers' wants and needs. But because they're showing up with confidence and visibility, people are buying from them as a byproduct. So let's just play a little game just for fun. <laughs> How many times have you bought something but you've hated the salesperson. It happens all the time with cars in particular, but you have to buy from them because they're all the same. So you're gonna have to buy from one of them, you know, really pushy salespeople who are like, you know, quite old fashioned in their approach. And if you compare that to the amount of times you've been sold to, and it's been a really good experience and you felt really great about handing your money over to that person, really great about spending money. And I encourage everybody to think about that. You know, where do you love spending money? Where makes you feel great about spending money? And what are the difference between those two people? Because we get into sales situations every single day of our lives for, for a lot of us, it'll be every day, certainly once a week. Um, so we can actually learn from what is out there. And certainly if I sit here and think about the times when I felt best about spending my money is when people have really uncovered my problems, really understood what I've wanted and needed and then sold to me in that scenario rather than just pushing it down my throat. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, and, and I think we do get sold to by these, maybe these more pushy people at some point because do you know what? We just want certainty. And they seem really certain that they have what we need. Now, we not, might not be so sure what we need, but they are really sure. And somebody's going to take over and be the one that's like got the strength and the understanding and, you know, and like, OK. And you feel like, OK, well, you seem really sure. So, OK, we you know, and this is what's some I think um, when if we go into a conversation and we don't lead or we aren't sure of what the value is that we can bring then no one's really you know that's when if, if no one's certain on the outcome then that's when you don't make a sale you need to be and and I've often said this that it wasn't that I needed to focus I did need to focus on my sales process absolutely but when I figured out the step by step that I was going to take a client on once they'd signed up yeah. And I knew my onboarding process was perfect. And I knew how I was going to deliver the, the processes perfectly. I had more confidence to say to them, I know exactly the journey. And this is where you are now. And this is destination B. And we're going to do this, this and this and this. And then my conversion rate increased because I was more certain of the next steps. And mm -hmm. that's really important, I think. Do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like, um, I know exactly what you need right now is a great phrase to use. Even if that is, I know exactly what you need right now and it's not me, it's a mindset coach or it's, I know exactly what you need right now and it's not me, it's a bookkeeper, it's an accountant, whatever. And, and I think, you know, showing up with that knowledge that you will sell that person the right thing. I do that all of the time. And mm -hmm. those people end up either coming back to you when they are ready or shouting about you because you have sold them the right thing. Um, how how 
does your audience on the whole take on customers? Is it like discovery? Are we selling in the DMs? What's the... Yeah, I think it tends to be, well, definitely my experience, but I'd love to hear from everybody else um, in the comments. Please feel free to, you know, ask questions and share your thoughts here. But how it works for myself is definitely I will receive um, a DM and it will be, how much are your services? How much do you charge an hour? And we've explained that this is because they don't know how, what our services um actually are a lot of the time they know they need someone but they don't know what it is exactly they need and um they they think it's an hourly rate if they know that then they're going to find out so we so then at that point I say um I'd love to have a chat and see how I can support you further let's jump on a call because obviously I need to understand your business and what your business needs so then I take them to a discovery call and I do a live proposal on the screen with them and they get the quote the monthly fee um, then and there there's no hourly rates we we de- we definitely are moving away from swapping time for money and uh we we don't do that anymore in this industry I mean lots of people do and they're on the journey with us to help them change that and more value-based pricing um but yes that's my um that's how I do it so I've got some other people here saying uh discovery calls mainly um usually get leads from my website and then they book a discovery call conversations can start in the dms or email and then they move to a discovery call good old calendly and zoom absolutely that's what i do lisa so yeah that tends to be how our audience does that yeah so i think you know what you said joe is absolutely key knowing that you are in control of the sales in your business and you are in control of this step-by-step process to getting the sale in. Now, sometimes they might jump through that or sometimes they might need nurturing more, but you know those steps. So before I did Charlie Day sales, I was head of sales um, in a company that I had created, which was an international franchise. And when I first started selling franchises, I would get to the end of the first call and they would sort of say, you know, what's next? I'm like, oh, well, um, you know, you could either, you could go and see a class or you could talk to a franchisee or we could do another call or you can just buy if you want. And it was like so unknown. And so the person who was like about to spend between 10 and 15,000 pounds is a bit like, oh, all right then. And also then I would just go off the call and this person would be floating around in the air. And exactly that, I figured out like a step-by-step process of what we would do to secure that down. So let's imagine like for me now, similar to you, Joe, I would get a DM, I would get them on a discovery call and I would close them down. So as soon as they're making contact in the DMs, really important that we don't start trying to solve their problems in the DMs because then we get to this place where we're like friends with them. And they're like, oh, Charlie Day, what a girl. She just gave me loads of sales advice. Oh, I don't need to chat with you. I'll just go and implement that right away. No, we wanna be closing them down really intentionally on a call and you know, using your... um, Calendly link or saying, you know, are you available on Tuesday morning or Wednesday afternoon or whatever to really drive them forward to exactly what you want because you are in control. Then we'll get them on the call. Now, so many people make mistakes on discovery calls. So a discovery call is to do just that. Discover what the problems are, not solve their problems there and then, not give them a bit of free coaching, not give them anything for free, but just understand what their wants and needs are. I think of my people as onions, okay? They're onions. And we need to unpeel all the layers of the onion to get to the gem in the middle. So many salespeople just come with their knife and chop. No way to do it. We're unpeeling the onion, finding what's at the center. Um, And so on a discovery call, I would say, hey, Joe, I'm so excited to talk to you. I really want to understand where you are in your business now, where you want to be, and how I can help you to get there. And then I stop talking. Just literally, and I have to remind myself because I can't shut up. It's not something that I do. Like, Charlie, you're not speaking right now. You're just listening. And I take loads of notes and I really listen to the key things that they're saying about why they need help, what they want help with, yada, yada, blah, blah. 80% of that conversation is me listening. And then in the last 10%, I literally get what they have told me that they want and package it up to make what I have to offer a no-brainer for them to buy. Mm. Or 
if I've got red flags and I'm like, this person doesn't need a sales coach. She needs a business mentor or a mindset coach or an accountant, who knows? Then I would send them in a different direction and say, look, I don't think you need me right now. I think you'd be far better off doing this thing and then coming on to me later on your journey or whatever it is. Um, and, and so the discovery call is not about um, giving them value or trying to solve their problems. It's about selling to them huge mistake that I see people make. And then from that discovery call, I personally like to give my clients space to think about it. I don't try and get cash out of them or anything like that on the call. So I give them space, but I will follow up immediately. So like literally as soon as I'm off the call, I'm following up saying it was great to talk to you and then laying out what those next steps are. And then I will continue to follow up with them until they buy from me or make a decision not to. Oh, oh, um, this is this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. And I, I love that. I mean, I've never been taught by you, Charlie, but I'm really pleased because I bang on about the fact we have two ears and one mouth and we should be listening a lot more than we're talking. And I am like you. I sometimes have to hum happy birthday in my head or something just to stop myself wanting to butt in. So I get your pain. And I also love what you said about the fact that we are discovering what's going on here and we are listening out for those pain points that we can solve but we are also I love that looking out for the red flags we need to be setting our business up again this is about us making decisions and clear decisions and we means that we are always talking about working with that ideal client whose values are the same as yours and I have often got into a call with somebody and they say one thing and my little gut it just does a little flip and I'm like, mm -mm, no, 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 we've been, I know people like you, and this is not going to work. Um, it's usually things like, I need to know how to pay no tax, or I don't <laughs> want to go VAT registered, uh, HMRC are this and that, and the government are this and that, and they're all negative and everything. And I'm like, yeah, this is not going to work. So I, so then I start thinking about who, and I always, they all, whatever the outcome, and this is how we set ourselves as experts in our industry is that we might I love that you said that that we might not be the right solution and we have got to get comfortable with saying no at that early think of the hours of stress and pain and heartache and you know anger that you're going to save yourself by nipping this in the bud at this point and that is hard to do when you've started out in business and you think I just need that sale but honestly from from years of doing saying yes and wishing I hadn't it really is so powerful so the discovery call, yes, I I think they should have something at the end of it, whether that's what you can do for them and how much it's going to cost. I really like years ago in this industry, we were known for, we'd have a call, we'd say, we'll get back to you. We would go to an Excel spreadsheet. We will try and make up the numbers. We'd have a few chats with bookkeepers in the team and speak to these experts. And then a week or two later, I, I used to send them, it might be a month later, they would get their proposal, if that, and it'd be on a Word document and it'd be so slow. But these days, we can't get away with that anymore because we're in the world of Amazon and Deliveroo and Uber, and we are competing on that kind of level. So I love the fact that at the end of it, you have to, Tell them what's next, regardless of if it's with you or not. And um, and so, okay, so I I think everyone will get what we've get it because they've heard us bang on about that. What I'm really what I'm rubbish with, Charlie, and I want to really learn is that follow up sequence that you talked about. How do we? So we've told someone something, and sometimes I've had it where people are like, "Oh yeah, that's really good. That's really good," and then tumbleweed they've gone and then you find a bit like oh did they mean that or was I just did I read it wrong or I think then we have all these conversations in our head about or did I say that wrong was it too expensive and then we 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 don't have a follow-up plan what what's a good way of following up and how long do we follow up for so I I think follow-up is crucial and if you've heard me talk about you know if you've ever heard me talk anywhere it's basically what I bang on about I've got a running joke actually now in my mastermind and my uh, membership program I just hide a slide in that says follow-up just to like remind people at all times that we should be following up um because so I have this thing where I am trying to make everybody who I work with in the top 10% of sales people in the world 
And so there are some things that if you do, I believe it will put you in the top 10% of salespeople, um, female salespeople. We don't want to compete with, with the suits and ties. Um, and if you, if you were to, so Joe, I'm going to make you, you're going to be in the top 10%. You probably already are, but let's imagine that you're not. Um, <laughs> we're going to make you in the top 10% of salespeople, which means you will be in the top 2% of salespeople in your industry. So you'll be pushing that industry forward. And that's what I'm aiming for. And there are a few things that I think you can do that are super, super easy. That's going to separate you from the crowd. And this is one of them. If you follow up and your follow-up process is meticulous, you're going to see so many more sales come into your business. In fact, if you are not following up on a weekly basis, you're leaving so much cash on the table. I personally feel that we should be following up on a daily basis. But if you are not following up on a weekly basis, I'll, I'll work small steps. Yeah. <laughs> um, so- <laughs> I don't want to freak anyone out. They're like, oh my God, I've already got all this bookkeeping to do and stuff. Um, And so with my follow-up, I keep it clear, straightforward and to the point. I don't waffle. Take any waffle out. People haven't got time for it. And the way that I think about it is like, if I were to go out for a drink with Joe, um, we had a nice cocktail in the Savoy, didn't we, Joe? We did. And then the next day I said, oh, Joe, it was so lovely to see you yesterday. Such a lovely drink and I'd love to do it again. Do you think that that would be pushy? No. No. no it's, it's just kind. And, touch. and yeah. you know, if we're honest, we don't always make time for that, which we should. We absolutely mm. should. But if somebody has inquired to, you know, make a payment with your business, we should be on top of that. You know, if our, our child goes to a play date, we say thank you. Someone holds yeah. the door open for us, we say thank you. And if someone inquires for our business, we should be following up with them. So I have a follow-up spreadsheet, which you can actually buy on my website, um, which I put, so as soon as someone inquires, Joe would, I, sh- sh- you would go into my follow-up spreadsheet. You inquired about a power hour with me, let's say. And so all of that would be documented in, Now, let's imagine we have a call and you're like, I'm going to have a think about it. 24 hours after that, I'd follow up with you. And I would keep on following up every 24 hours until you either buy or you don't buy. Mm -hmm. Because we live in a busy world, right? So you have inquired about a power hour and that's really up there on my importance list. I'm getting 250 pounds and I'm like, yes, but you've got kids and horses and all this stuff going on and a bookkeeping practice and a Facebook group. Like booking a power hour with me is not top of, of your priorities. So I've got to work really hard to bring that up to the top of your list. And so if when we follow up, we can make it time bound and compelling. Listen, Joe, I've only got four slots available for February. So if you did want one of those, I'd need to know as soon as possible. Now, I always caveat this with it should be based on truth. I don't believe that we should be lying about this. But oftentimes, especially in that scenario, when we're working one-to-one, we do only have so much time and so many slots available. So if you can make it time-bound and compelling, give them a good reason to reply, then um, you're going to be so much more likely to get a response from that. The average client needs seven follow-ups before they buy wow seven follow-up wow that is that is so interesting I yeah I do need to get better it's it's really interesting actually because last week I've I've had this niggle in my head that I, I I did start off doing sales calls and saying to people because this is kind of I was like that I'm not going to chase you up. If you've enjoyed today, I'm going to, you, you've already got the proposal in your inbox. Um, and if, and, and I always also make sure I'm Facebook friends with people so that I stay in their world. Wow. Um, and then I, and then I'll say, you know, you know where you, where I am, if you, if you want to reach out and that has worked to a point. Um, and that's because usually people have come to me through a Facebook DM because they've seen me on Facebook. Maybe they've joined a masterclass. I've done a free thing or, you know, and they, and they, it's kind of like attraction marketing and they've got to that point and they, they need it and it's worked. But then there's other times when people come into my world that have been recommended by someone and they're not in my world for a long time. Um, that I need to do that follow-up. And actually last week I, I had a call with a client and 
there's actually in my proposal software, as we go through everything, there's a step, follow up date. So I just have to fill it in. I just have to say to them, how long do you think it will take you to like have a think about this, make a decision? And they usually say, like if we're on Wednesday, Friday or Monday or something, I'll say, I'm going to pop that in here. I'm going to make a note in my diary and I'll reach out to you back then. That's fine. Do you know what happens is they contacted me they, before that follow up date because I think subconsciously they know it's coming and they, they, they know I've made a plan to call them anyway. And they actually signed up before that follow up date. And I was like, oh, that's a, like a little bit of magic. That is, I quite, quite like that. That was easier than me thinking, oh, they've just gone into, into space now and maybe I'll hear from them, maybe I won't. So it kind of, it's that kind of control, um, certainty, knowing what the next step is and they have to make a decision by then, um, which is kind of this kind of grown up business. This would happen if we were to be making, I don't know, like if we inquired about, a hotel booking or booking an event room or something they would phone us back and say you know we need your deposit if you yeah. want it you need to deposit big businesses do that what and I think maybe this is that one-man band solo entrepreneur working from your home we sometimes feel like it's not our place to do this but actually we can we can provide the same certainty same value and everything that everyone else can so how do we like position ourselves in this bookkeeper? I mean, I know you have a fabulous bookkeeper and, but so you understand bookkeeping and obviously you understand numbers and tracking numbers and measuring numbers, whether it's on your amazing spreadsheet, which I hear gets quite angry. If you don't follow up, it will <laughs> tell you, eh, follow up, follow up. Um, how can we position bookkeeping services to be like more attractive in this time when there's a recession going on? You know, how, how do we talk about what we do and the value that we bring? Does mm -hmm. it need to, does our messaging need to change when we're in this kind of cost of living crisis? Um, yeah, I mean, I think messaging, I, I always talk about messaging as the first point of um, your sales process because your messaging needs to be right. Can I just follow up with Libby's point here? If you followed up with me every day, it will complete. Oh, yep before I go on to messaging because like thank you Libby I totally get that and what I would say two things first thing is your follow-up process has got to work for you and sit right with you and, and I think that about your whole sales process if there's something that feels icky change it because if it feels icky for you it's certainly going to feel icky for the customer but the way that it doesn't feel icky for me following up every single day is because of the way that I've set it up before I've got into that I've already built a relationship I've already know their business I know what they need and so it rarely gets to a point where I'm following up every single day for seven days for 24 hours because and I'm sure that you would be this person Libby you'd say thanks for the discovery call Charlie it was really great to chat to you but it's actually not something that I'm interested in at the moment obviously at that point on my follow-up spreadsheet it goes to closed and I move on. I wouldn't then badgering mm -hmm. that person. So most people do, if they're not thinking about it, tell you. So um, yeah, but Love I do hear that. that. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> on to messaging. So yeah, I think your messaging needs to be so strong. So I, this is my sales funnel, and this is the top where I'm pulling all the people into my sales funnel. We've got to put our message out there in a big way. That's our marketing, right? So if your messaging is, you know, I'm a bookkeeper, I can help you with your books. That doesn't really tell me like, I didn't know what a bookkeeper was. It was my accountant who was like, I think you're getting to a stage where you need a bookkeeper. I'm like, all oh, right, well, tell me more. Because I think an accountant is something that people think that they need a lot more than a bookkeeper from my experience. Mm -hmm. So Actually, if you were telling me I could save you more time, I could save you more money, I could speed something up for you. That for me, who is completely out of the bookkeeping accountancy world, that's going to hit heart home a lot more than I think you need a bookkeeper. So mm. I think we've got to look at our messaging, look at our ideal client first. Who is our ideal client? Who are we speaking to? What can we say to them that's literally going to stop them in the tracks and go, oh my gosh, this, this is talking to me. And then the third thing is where do they hang around? Where does that ideal client hang around so that we can get into that place and put our message out there so that we can stop them in the tracks so that they book the discovery call so we make the sale. 
that is Charlie that is so interesting because what you've said there is like stop trying to sell services as in bookkeeping payroll VAT tax blah 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 this is all the things I do it's not what you do for people in that way it's how you make them feel, I can save you money, I can free up your time, I can take this off of your plate, I can help you sleep at night, I can help you feel excited about the future of your business, those kind of, yeah, that messaging is very different to I do bookkeeping and people go, well, what the hell is that? Do you like sit there with piles of books around you? That's what I've had. Are you a librarian? Do you, do you take bets on horses? Like people literally have no idea what a bookkeeper does. So, and and I, I often um, say to the community that we need to like, if you've got a young person in the family, a child or a niece or nephew, or, you know, a family friend, like around the age of seven or eight, if you can try and explain in a way what it is that you do to them and they can kind of get a little bit of it, you know, whether it's like, I help, you know, you know, that, that shop over there, help them with their money so that they take money in the till and then they have to pay some things out and what they're left with or whatever it is. You've got to try and explain it in that way. I, I knew I'd cracked it. My 12 year old <laughs> messaged me um, from um, the stables the other, uh, and she was, mum, you do that invoicing, don't you? And I was like, what? She went, I've heard a couple of people talking and they're talking that they're really struggling with their invoicing. So I've given them your number. I'm like, <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. That is, that is what you want. That is, that is, and, and as well, if your friends and family don't understand what it is that you do, and I know we have struggles when we become solopreneurs, when we become, when we set up on our own as sole traders, maybe you're the first person, the circuit breaker to not be employed in your family. And people don't get, you suddenly have three heads. They're like, why are you doing this? Why, why would you be self-employed? That's ridiculous. We don't do this here. It's like the first person to go to university in the family. There's always someone that's, and and I, I know I've had people that have been a bit, oh, could, could you stop like posting on social media? It's a bit awkward for us as a family. You know, I've had those comments. Now they support me because they understand more about what I'm doing. But if your friends and family don't understand what you're doing, how is your next potential client going to understand it? So that messaging is so important and and also messaging in the right place it's pointless i did it for years yellow pages i mean because i'm that old i i i spent all that money on yellow pages and um and i chose a name for my business which began with a aqua bookkeeping because i wanted to be at the front of yeah yeah nothing to do with anything that i had to offer that's all we had to go on back in the day um so it's been it's been a journey to learn how to share that. I had um I was invited to go to the House of Lords to talk about small business and um how you know people extending how long it takes them to pay small businesses is causing such an issue. And I just shared it on my Facebook. Oh, I'm going up to the House of Lords to talk about this. And one of my clients shared it on her page. She was like, Does your accountant do this? <laughs> <laughs> she cares. I and and it's like it's about getting to the core of your values and sharing that as well and how you can help somebody. So if somebody doesn't know who their ideal client is, this is something they struggle with. How do you, how do you help people decide who, who would be a good client for them? I would start by thinking, who do you love um, working with? Like that, that simply Simply. like you, you want to, you want to love what you do. Sorry. I'm reading all (laughs) You read all the comments. Does like really does um trigger people, and I'm sorry, but at the end of the day, guys, you want to make more sales, you got to follow up. Um, you know that's just just the long and the short of it. Trust me, I've been I've ran three businesses where I didn't follow up, and I've ran one where I follow up meticulously, and I can tell you for free that honestly, it's a game changer. Anyway, absolutely. Um. <laughs> um and actually, do you know what? I was going to look around um, a venue to hire for, um, it's the Entrepreneurs Growth Club, which is my community's third birthday. And I was looking around a venue and it was okay. You know, it was okay. I could have had it there. And I said to my friend who I went to look around it with, I was like, we'll play a little game now. If she follows up, I'll book. And if she doesn't, I won't. And I was sure she was going to follow up because as I walked off, she was walking back to her computer 
not followed up not followed up if I want to book I just I think it's rude now if people don't follow up with me it's like they don't need my custom yeah no absolutely and like we say we are all very busy and actually sometimes um we do want what it is that you're selling we just haven't had that second space to kind of make that if you make it it's like making it easier for for me to complete the sale you know I do really want your services but and I do really want to hire that whole but do you care enough to reach out and just and follow and that like you said about just following up after a night out or something I do it in my you know we did it after that event we did it my friends oh wasn't that good you know key points to take away and again it's not um and yeah and and like you said you choose your frequency as to what fits right for you so for me I would ask them in the call when's a good time to follow up and then we've set an actual date and time in the diary and we've both agreed that and that for me is would work well so um I I I think it's it's interesting how this I think that just the word sales triggers people completely yeah Yeah, Yeah, absolutely absolutely. Uh, but anyway back on on ideal client which was the question sorry I um follow-up takes up a lot of time in my in my mind um yeah who do you love working with who do you who like would make you jump out of bed like what industry are you passionate about that's what I would I would always follow your passion sales is an exchange of energy and if you have got loads of energy and enthusiasm to a certain client maybe it's as like earns over or turns over more than this amount of money is who you want to work with then go after them because Mm -hmm. you want what you do um but I I do think you're absolutely right you know look at this group at this community there's loads of bookkeepers out there so what are you going to do to differentiate yourself and Mm. you know I always say facts tell and stories sell like people want to hear your story they want to hear what's different about you they want to know behind the scenes they want to know what's going on what what your values are what you love like in my community, I always talk about Disney. I'm a big Disney fan. Any Disney fans out there, I'm here <laughs> for it. Um, and we did this challenge where you are only allowed to use Disney gifts and people got involved. But, you know, it calls out my ideal client because a lot of people who are sales experts, sales coaches are men. I'm in a predominantly male world, you know, suit and tie type males. And I'm there, you know, bursting into a chorus of let it go. (laughs) And I'm not going to be right for some people. And that's absolutely fine. But by like having that as part of my messaging, I'm showing up for the people that I am right for and I'm like attracting them in. So I think it's really important to talk about, you know, talk to your ideal client and don't worry about alienating people. Yeah. And we always say, I mean, I do have a, a core industry of salon owners but like that last week the the new client I got their audio production nothing to do with salons but our energy when we got on the call we just it was like oh and they messaged afterwards like we are so excited to have somebody that's like I geek out over you know certain things and they were geeking out the same and we're like yeah this is really good this is you know this is oh we've never had this kind of conversation with somebody before no one else has ever understood stood it and what I need to bring to a management meeting and I'm, I'm lost and I could do this and I'm like well I could prepare this for you and that and they're like oh my goodness that'd be amazing it doesn't matter that they don't you know do electrolysis or facials I'm not i it was a it's an energy match I just so happen that that industry of salon owners I tend to have more energy matches there so it's easy for me to talk to that type of person um and kind of get that idea of the kind of people I want to you know um speak with but these guys, three share, male shareholders, three directors, they were nothing like a normal salon owner, but it didn't matter because values and that exchange was there. And I think it's, you have to, it does take time to uh, start trusting your instincts. Obviously I've been in business for way over 20 years. So I have had so many mistakes and thought, why didn't I listen to my gut? My gut was right. But at the beginning, you don't trust your gut. So it's fine. You're allowed to, you're, and forgive yourself. Be curious. Yeah. Why did I let that, why did I, why did I ignore myself at that point? Why didn't I trust myself? 
Um, for me at first, it was, I got really strong with people when they upset my team, not me. I wasn't bothered about if they upset me, but if they upset my team members, I was like, oh no, I'm not having that. And now I'm like, no, I'm not having that for myself either. But it, it, no. took, it took a bit of time. It took a bit of time. And I think, so thinking of the recession right now and thinking of talking to our ideal clients and maybe you, you're you on a call with someone that you really like, you think you could really help them, but they come to you with some objections. Maybe it's like, oh, I can't afford that right now. Or, oh, that seems a lot more expensive than I thought. How do we, how do we handle objections? Should we be discounting our services? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I knew that was the answer. <laughs> A resounding no for any discounts. I um I think discounts look desperate. I think discounts look desperate and I don't think they're a good tool for positioning yourself. If any discounts go on, I believe that they should be for long-standing customers and for loyalty, not for um quick wins and sales. Um so gem generally my advice is don't give discounts. Um I think for objection handling, I handle them straight on. So if someone is saying, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, that's the two um, objections that we most commonly get, I will will talk about that. Like, let's talk about that. And what if money wasn't an object? What would be the object then? Because often time and money are very easy objections to use, whereas they might not say like, oh, I'm not actually sure if I like you that much. You're coming across... <laughs> aggressive on this call so I'm not sure if you go people wouldn't say that they'd say oh god I'm not sure if I've got enough time so if we understand actually what is behind that very common objection that they're giving and that if then they say honestly it's just the money that is it then I would position myself well yeah, I might be more expensive than the average bookkeeper, but here's why. I'm going to be able to help you find more ways to make money. I'm going to help your business be more profitable. I'm one of the best. That's why I'm the most expensive. You know, I remember I always tell this story, but when we were having my little boy, I've only got one child, so first time parents, and we went into John Lewis and we were looking for a car seat and my husband was like, well, we'll just buy the most expensive one because it'll be the best. And I was like, it doesn't always work out like that. But just like people think being cheap is good, but what about the clients who want expensive? That's mm. why you have to decide where your ideal client is. Because if you're going after clients who are multi six figure business owners, they're not going to be looking for the cheapest. They're going to be looking for the best or, you know, somebody who's great in their field or somebody mm -hmm. who can make you more profitable or whatever they're looking for. But that's part of the uncovering process, right? Finding out what they are looking for. And then it might be a case of, well, yeah, we are expensive, but here's why. And positioning yourself as an expensive brand that people should be buying into. Absolutely. And I think it's about having that. Sometimes I come away and think, did I really explain the value enough? Did I share the journey well enough on what that was it to, you know, we need to move away from the transactional to the transformational kind of what we can do for you um because numbers is hard also, you know we are selling something as well charlie in our industry we're selling something that's a bit smoke and mirrors it's a bit like we're doing all this stuff in the background and um, and how do we make it tangible and this is why i like doing things like cash flow forecasting with the client because they actually get that feeling what i'll end up with if i do this this and this i'll end up with that amount of money in the bank in three months time okay that seems you know it's like a bit of more of a tangible feel result rather than oh we've reconciled your bank yeah right what's that mean i have no idea what that means and also, where's the value the, the knowing the customer as well because some customers as i understand it want to know all of this information and some customers like me don't want to hear from their accountant sorry yes <laughs> <laughs> i do yeah. and so like yeah i'm happy to pay out the money i absolutely want you to do the job but I don't want to be on a call every two seconds because no. like that's very much what I'm paying for, you know? And, and then you'll have everything in between that, won't you? So 
you've got to know who you're dealing with and what they want. And again, that is part of the uncovering process. If there's someone who's like really hot on their numbers, they know exactly what they want, then they're going to want something different for me. Who's just like, la da da, I'll be yep. watching the Disney film whilst you're doing my tax return. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you might, and someone might be like, well, I couldn't work with that Charlie if she was like that, if she didn't want to. And that's fair enough. You don't have to, what you, you might want somebody that's like, right, we're going to sit down once a week and have an hour long meeting and discuss and look at spreadsheets but you can this is the thing you get to choose and that is why it's so good to have that discovery call to figure out at that point because or else I mean that relationships just go go stale very quickly you're not there's not an exchange of value and everyone's not very happy with you know what they're doing I I was explaining yesterday I was um I pay out for software zero and it has felt recently like a bit of a cost I know I get loads for it and I know I'm providing an amazing service to my client and I wouldn't choose anyone else, but it's felt expensive for me. Well, yesterday I, they went, I went to their offices and they showed me some of the features that I wasn't using and my team. And we like literally in the first five minutes, we're like, what? We can do what? Oh my goodness. And straight away, exactly the same money that I'm spending this month feels like an amazing investment. And I know now how I can, you know, leverage that and make more money, more time, have happier team. That, that's it. And and I think sometimes we have to, especially and, and with the clients you've already got, you can do this with them. You can sell to your current client base again. Maybe people to sell to. Yes. Yeah. But why do we forget to do that? Why do we forget to do it? I do you know that uh, today I had I've had something where someone that signed up with me last week, they messaged and asked a question. And already they've asked for something that wasn't in the, you know, a little scope creep, little, oh, can, oh, and you're doing that for me. I was like, actually, straight away, no, that wasn't in the proposal, but more than happy to do it. I'll add it to your invoice and to your services and your schedule of services. And they're like, great, straight away. Now, years ago, I'd have just gone, oh God, I feel sick. I didn't put that on there. I didn't realize they wanted that. That's my fault. I'm not going to charge them now. I will just swallow that fee and that, that cost and do it myself. They were absolutely fine to do it. They saw the value in it. They realized it wasn't on the thing. It's fine. But how many of your clients right now are you doing those little bit of extras for, but not, but, and just swallowing the fees? You could, you could, you could be sitting. I know I, I did this back in April 20, I think it was April 21. April 21, I went through all my clients and repriced them got my pricing strategy right first. And that's something really interesting that if you haven't got one, you need to get that sorted and reprice them all. And I made another two and a half grand a month just from, and for doing no extra work. It was just the work I was already doing. And I find it interesting that it's like sales isn't the thing you do once and forget about in the journey. Yeah. It's habits, daily habits that add to a sales strategy that works um you know putting your offer out there all the time mm. i hate to say it again but i'm gonna have to following up <laughs> all the <laughs> time <laughs> closing people down all the time and upselling those four things i think should be part of your daily habits and that's what's going to make you um you, and somebody's written that they got one of their biggest clients by following up thank you thank you <laughs> <laughs> yay yay um, oh, it's true. It's not just going to be, it's not, and, and I, I am a sales coach for um, a, a really high level mastermind and people are like, right, this month I'm concentrating on my sales. And I'm like, we're concentrating on our sales every single day, every single mm. month. I believe we should be focusing 80% of our efforts on our business, on our sales. Like, and when I talk about on our business, I'm obviously we're talking to bookkeepers here. So I appreciate that that takes up a lot of time. I'm not talking about when you're actually doing the job doing. Mm -hmm. about when you're building your business, 80% of that should be on sales because if you don't have any sales, you don't have a business. And, you know, some people might think, well, actually I've got the clients that I want. I've got the customer basis that I want. Great. Absolutely fine. But for those people who want to be growing and scaling to something much bigger, it's 80% of your efforts need to be focused on sales so that the customers keep flooding in. And there's always those ebb and flows. Something will happen and you might have the perfect client base right now, but something happens and you lose one. And it, and what I found is that 
um, if I don't continually work on this strategy and at the moment, I mean, I can't book in any sales calls or anything until the end of March, I'm booked up. So yes, I don't need those clients now, but I'm continuously doing the same habits and practices so that they are there and they might have to go on a wait list. I mean, I've never had one before, but they may have to go on a wait list and that's fine. But I know I've got that pipeline for when I need them. And I'm not going to have that awful feeling that, oh my goodness, I've lost that client. How am I going to make payroll or how are we going to do this? It's a case of, okay, that's fine. We've got people. I know what I'm doing. I'm practiced at it. I've got rid of that icky. And that's the thing as well. If it becomes a habit, it's not that like, right, in March, I'm going to work on sales. I'm going to feel sick all month and hate it. Um, it's it just becomes part of running a business. And I think, yeah, we need to get we need to get like if we have a plan, it makes it much easier. And like those step by steps, like you said, that strategy. If we have that strategy for our business and we're just practicing it and doing it daily, little mini daily habits, it it becomes so much easier. Um, and you get to choose what that strategy looks like. You can choose it. Absolutely. Oh. And you're in control. So you, it's up to you at the end of the day, how many sales you make, because I want to make 10 sales. I know to get 10 sales, I need to get this many inquiries. I know to get this many inquiries, I need to do this much marketing. And then you can just go out and do it. And it really is that simple. Oh, Charlie, I've absolutely loved our chat today. Um, how do people, um, if they want to know more about you, what do they need to do? Um, come and find me. I am. I run the Entrepreneurs Growth Club, which is my community on Facebook, or you can find me, Charlie Day Sales, on TikTok and Instagram. And also I have my book, which has a whole chapter on how to follow up. So if you <laughs> want to, um, but yeah, it, every single chapter is about one element of your sales strategy. So sales is easy if you just know how it's available on Amazon. It's like 10 pounds or whatever. So um, that might be a great place to start if you want to look at your sales strategy. Oh, thank you, Charlie. Thank you so, so much. Thank you to everybody that has joined us today. If you're like me, you've definitely learned something and um, I'm definitely going to be creating a follow-up strategy that works for me and my business. Um, I will see you all back later on at 6.30 this evening for the third part of our training from me and Zoe. Um, really looking forward to that. Please come along. There's another chance to have another breakthrough and do third piece of homework to be in for prizes that are going to be drawn on Friday. We will see you then again. Thank you so much, Charlie. And uh, everyone, we'll see you later. Take care. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to join us every week for the Bookkeepers podcast. For topical bookkeeping chat, why not join our free Facebook community, Six Figure Bookkeepers Club, or visit us at sixfigurebookkeeper.com.